Hello and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Evan. And I'm Jad. And you're joining us today for our recap and discussion of Ruin, Book 3 in The Faithful and the Fallen by John Gwynn. Oof. Yeah, this is, a, this is a whole lot of book there. This is a, a whole lot of, lot of book. Um, all right, we are much more than halfway through this series, and I gotta say, my feelings are mixed. They're they're right in the Very middle of mixed. mixed. Um, I mean, on the one hand, I think there are some really exciting scenes in this book, uh, some decent setup and payoff. The storyline is still pretty interesting. Like, kind of right when I think it's getting a little stale, some something pretty cool happens, and then we're kind of back into little little territory that i'm not really having a ton of fun with well fun's not the right word actually because there are there are a lot of fun scenes yeah i mean it's still a little predictable uh it's just it's whatever but like after 1800 pages i really wish i felt more of a connection to this world and to these characters that's the thing that's like really kind of bumming me out about this is like there's there's a lot here that i like but I'm still just having kind of a hard time really caring about what's going on. Like I felt like, I feel like, and I think we've talked about this multiple times, but it's just, I feel like I haven't spent enough time or had enough moments with these characters that really hit me where I live. I feel like I'm just kind of observing a bunch of stuff happening. I feel very distant from the characters. For the last nearly two books, it's just people running around and getting attacked. Like I know that that's really, I'm reducing it down a lot, but like, it really is what it feels like. I don't know what anything looks like, except for like Drassel looked pretty cool. Even then, I was the one reminding myself that that was an awesome looking treehouse. Like <laughs> yeah. not like, yeah. I don't know. I just I totally agree with what you're saying. There's so many different interweaving yarns to this sweater of a story that it's like every one of them is really interesting, really cool. And when kind of isolated on its own is pretty cool, pretty yeah. well written yeah. even. Yeah. It's just there's so many that it's like work to figure it all out and unravel what's happening and who's who. Like there were character chapters, POV chapters in the last five chapters of this big like book during the culmination of events that I was like, who's this guy again? Yeah, like, I literally yeah. don't know whose eyes I'm looking out of right now. Well, and it's interesting, too, because with stuff like Malazan Book of the Fallen, it's twice as complicated as all of this. But the thing is, is like, I like being in that world more. So it's like, if something's going to be this complicated and this, like, just overwhelming sometimes, and I'm, and I'm not feeling immersed or connected to characters, like, that's an issue, you know, like, that's where I'm starting to have problems, like, feeling motivated to keep reading this i mean we're going to finish the series obviously but i am definitely we have to I, I don't i think i used the word underwhelmed on the last like monday episode but i don't think that's the right word because i am pretty engaged with some of i mean especially towards the end of this book in particular there's some pretty crazy stuff happening like there's like there were some payoffs you know but it took way too long to get there in my opinion and and i'm just i'm getting kind of sick and maybe the fourth book it won't be quite like this but i like i said before i feel like it's been two books of like people just running and camping and getting set upon by horses it's like how many chapters end with just oh then they heard the sound of horse hooves and then the chapter ends and then there's like nine other people that we got to go through and so by the time i'm done reading those nine other people i'm not i don't even care about the horses now like i don't even care that like they were they're being attacked because also they're probably gonna be fine you know what I mean? <laughs> like everyone's gonna be fine except for probably i mean he he does kill some people some people are not okay yeah that, and i think if it wasn't for how cool the ending of this book was the, very quickly i would be a lot less motivated to read the fourth one but now it's like damn it 
jungle like you know we are doing spoilers at this part of the episode but like you know corbin getting taken away and storm getting hurt like i mean that's okay well I, now i gotta find out what happened like, you know what i mean yeah, oh yeah like, but there's a lot of chapters in here like the halon halon i don't even remember the guy's name like the yeah it's like the, h-e-l-u-n or yeah, something like, I don't like even, that I don't, I don't know what's going on and then like i feel like the tuckle chapters and stuff who, and who is and the like, halon Let's not move past that because I'm actually legitimately let's, confused as to him. Uh, let's talk about after the recap. We can okay, get, okay. Get more call, into detail. I, and I know that it sounds like I'm kind of raking this over the coals. Like, I mean, I do think this is a cool series. We've read so much of it at this point. We're going to finish it. But yeah, this is just not as it's not as as good as I thought it was going to be. You know, like I, I thought it was going to be something else. And um, I think that on one of the earlier episodes we had, I think my my main issue with it is the tone. Like, it's just it it's really lighthearted sometimes and like feels almost like YA almost. And then everyone's, <laughs> it's just everyone's slitting everyone's throats and everyone's tortured and dying and screaming. And it's just like, dude, like the amount of people that Corbin kills is in my opinion, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Oh, it dies, period. It's just, it's just so many, it's just, there's, there's so much death and murder and like killing and slaughtering in this book. And it's, and, and it's not, I'm not saying I have a problem with that in the narrative. I'm not saying that I, I'm not uh, mature enough for it or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. Don't get my words twisted. What I'm saying is it feels like it's, it's just, it's just words. Like there's no weight to any of it. Like there's no, people aren't really thinking that much about it. It doesn't seem like a serious thing that all these people are dying. You know what I mean? Like that's why I'm having trouble connecting with some of it is it does feel a little frivolous. It feels like, you know, our, our main character that I'm supposed to be rooting for is just like running around slitting throats, you know? And it's just like, okay, like, I feel like that's, he should feel worse about it. Like, and I know that he feels bad about it for like a little bit and like the book before this. And it's like, I feel like it was Gwyn kind of like covering his tracks and being like, no, I mean, he is like, he's a human, you know, but like Corbett doesn't really feel like a human right now to me. Like he doesn't feel like, a character I really want to root for. I, and that's what I mean about the the distance is like, because I feel like I don't really want to root for him. I also feel pretty distant to the whole, everything that's going on around him too. Totally. I don't think about these books when I'm not reading them. Like I'm not yeah, like, Oh man, either. I wonder what's happening with Corbin because I haven't spent enough. Like I would, if this book was just about Corbin, I really do think that I would because it's actually really cool what's happening to him, but there's just so much. It's like exhausting to try to figure out what's going on. Maybe yeah. I'm just like not smart enough for these books, but no, I think you are. I think that um, <laughs> they're I, like, like it's like actual work to try to understand what's going on sometimes, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't think you're stupid. <laughs> Thank I, you. I don't think anyone that has difficulty with these is stupid. Uh, I don't think they're, they're, they're particularly difficult. Like I, I get it. No, each storyline is easy and rather predictable. In fact, I think it's the presentation. Like that's yeah. my opinion on it. I think that like some of the conversations are kind of dry and don't really seem they're kind of meandering sometimes. And like, um, just, I mean, just the, the plot is meandering. Like they're, they're just going from one place to another and meandering. Getting, yeah. Like they're like literally <laughs> meandering. I mean, like they are kind of like vaguely headed in a certain direction, but you know, it's, I mean, it just feels a little repetitive. It's like, we, we got this place we want to go, but before we go there, we have to sit around and we have to talk for a little bit, but like, Oh no, we're getting attacked. And then we kill a bunch of people. And then we move a little bit more towards the destination we're trying to go to. We sit around and we talk right. a little bit. We and then, have, oh like, no, we're getting attacked. A couple and sworn then, oaths. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, a chapter ends and Corbin's just like, I have a pretty good idea of how we're going to solve that issue. And 
and then it's like that's cool but People then escape via tunnels but then we got to read about <laughs> Mackin, and then we got to read about tuckle and then we got to read about uthas and then ufalus and then we got to read about veritas and then we got to read about halen and, and we got to read about fit fiddle we got to read about mac and it's just like it's like okay I, you you had me for a second that was a cool end of a chapter where are we now oh and then you know it's 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 not a it's not fun to get back into a chapter after reading a bunch of other storylines for a second and then be like okay what what's going on here again like even in the same reading session you know what i mean i'm not coming back to it days later no we're, we're gonna get into a more uh, kind of like lively discussion about specific mm. things that we both really liked and didn't like but i don't want to like lie to our audience and be like i really love this because like i don't really love this and it is personal taste obviously like if you're listening along and this is like one of your favorite series i think that's super super valid because there's a lot to love here but i think it's rubbing up against my own personal taste in a very abrasive way and i'm sorry for two things one i'm excited to be done with this because it's feeling a bit tedious at this point i'm also I don't know if you're going to believe me out you, you my, my my listeners out there i don't know if you're going to believe me but i am really excited to read the blood sworn books because i've heard that john gwynn after writing not just this series but the other series that takes place in the banished land i'm pretty sure it's the same world i've heard that his he steps up his game tenfold with the blood sworn series so i'm waiting for that third book to come out um and I, i'm not swearing off john gwynn i'm not anything no if anything i'm rather encouraged because i love all of the individual elements of this again like it's all good stuff i mean some of it, it it's all really basic this is a lot like of like the live laugh love poster of how a <laughs> fantasy novel like an epic high fantasy progresses none of it i'm like oh what a twist um none of it really surprises me i don't really think that this character work is like um groundbreaking or anything it's good people are growing things are happening there's arcs there's good guys there's bad guys there's inner turmoil there's outer turmoil all good stuff but there's such a chaotic torrent of it that i'm just like drowning in too much and so as much as I may complain about some of the elements of this specific book and how it's presented to me i am confident that with some growth of his own, I think John Gwynn can make a really good story. Like he's got yeah. it in him. Obviously he's got 800 good stories in him. He just needs to give me one <laughs> of them. So many good stories. So many, him. man. So let's, many. Uh, let's hit the recap. Let's hit the, let's do the recap. We can talk more about other stuff. Okay, let's do it. Last time I went way too long with the recap. This one, I truly tried to just recap it. So if you're like, wow, he missed over some stuff. I get it. <laughs> cool. Let's do it. The book starts with Jael the Betrayer, now King of Isildur, still loyal to Nathair as he knows his new position will be short-lived without the support of both Rin and Nathair. Acting on the orders of Nathair, Jael offers a gift of weapons forged by the giants of old, back when they ruled the land and their strength was feared, to the leader of the giant clan Jotun, rumored to be the largest and most powerful of the giant clans. An important ally for their cause, these giants are bear riders, their very name bringing fear into the hearts of men and women at the thought of withstanding a giant bear charge. Jail promises an alliance, many more gifts to come, and ongoing trade between their peoples should the giants join their cause and help him hunt down Corbin. The leader of the giant clan of Jotun agrees, and the deck of evil gains another powerful card to play in this deadly game. Fresh from his semi-victory at the giant keep of Murius, Corbin and his crew are barely keeping ahead of a dogged pursuit from Kalidus's Katashim. 
Though the plan to rescue his sister Cohen was successful, and she is happy to be reunited and freed from the Theron Calidus, their group is no longer a small band of refugees, as they have been joined by some Jihar, the ones not possessed by the Kadashim, and those led by Tukul from the glorified tree fort of Drasil. He has also been joined by the remnants of the giants at Mirius. Corbin has now been fully thrust into the position of leader of the goodly forces his own crew, and his new allies, all looking to him for instruction on how to defeat the coming evil tide. As he struggles to fill the giant shoes of prophecy, gods, and destiny, Michael is pressuring him to be a decisive leader, but also has opinions on how he should lead and the specific course Corbin should plot for their band. Corbin is told to be decisive, but it seems only when his plans align with Michael's. Corbin initially wants to go and find Idana. Wanting to protect his queen and feeling her loss as they developed a deep bond during their mad dash to safety in Valor, the last book. He is convinced by Michael, however, to realign his priorities after Michael lays out the importance of finding and collecting as many of the Starstone treasures, knowing they will need them all to destroy them all. Michael reveals that should Calidus collect all of the Starstone treasures, he will be able to open a gate to the spirit world and not only bring forth the entire dark force of Azroth's Kadashim but he will also be able to bring forth Azroth himself, whom they will be certain to lose against. Corbin finally agrees to head to Drasil and asks the giants that escaped Mirius to accompany him. The giants agree. Cohen, though returned to her brother and friends, is feeling the time lost and sees how close everyone has become in her absence. Also seeing how her brother is needed by so many and is now busy in his role as leader, Brenna sees this and offers Cohen the position of her apprentice. She agrees and Brenna begins instructing her in the healing arts. Meanwhile, Makin and Fidele are on the run, going from one almost getting caught moment to the next. Fidele stops to help one of her people, refusing to leave him to die as Vin Thalen, who have been tracking them rapidly, approach. Makin leaves in frustration, but only makes it a short ways before going back and defending Fidele and the wounded soldier. They win the battle and Fidele learns a bit of the fine character in Makin, coming to see him as more than just a savage pit-fighting killer. During their travels, they learn of a giantess and a giant child that Lycos has been hiding, later learning that it is Alcyon's wife. Nether and Calidus have a confrontation, during which Calidus, knowing that Nether now knows the truth, manages to bring Nether back under his wing, playing word games and twisting the names, making promises to Nether that only the names have changed, the plan is the same and the land will still be Nether's to rule upon victory, as Azroth only wants to come to this realm, not to rule but to defeat his enemies. Then he will give everything to Nether. Nether warily goes along with it, proving once and for all that his goal is not morality and what is best for all, but rather bettering his own self-interests and gaining power. Calidus runs into a dying Lycos in the spirit realm. He asks Lycos if he wants to live, telling him that he needs him. Lycos does want to live, and Calidus hands him an apple, each bite flooding his mind with memories. Lycos then awakens on a ship being taken care of by the woman that he was enamored with before Fidele, and is introduced to his son. Now leader of a 300-person and giant battle group, Corbin is intercepted by Veratus, who is excited to overwhelm the small group with his vast army, but they are tricked by the classic Hey Soldier ploy and realize with horror that not only has the battle group slipped past them and stolen their boats, they have also set most of the remaining boats on fire, leaving Vratis and Rin's forces severely crippled in their ability to mobilize and pursue Corbin and his group. Vratis learns of Calidus' lies and that Nether is actually the Black Sun and does not take it as easily as Nether. He attempts to kill Calidus, 
and appears to be successful after slamming a dagger into his gut and kicking him into a fire. Calidus, however, no mortal man, comes back out of the fire and instructs Alcyon to subdue Verdus. Alcyon, however, knowing that Veratus helped his wife get free earlier, joins Veratus and together they escape from Calidus. After much fighting and running, the book culminates with two fights. One with Adana, Camlin, and Panathrin, their forces having met up and joined with other rebels in a swamp. They are pursued by Rin and Evnis. They fight, with the battle raging both ways, but the strategic surprise attack by the forces of Adana rout Evnis and his troops. During the melee and the escape, Evnis has a confrontation with his son, Vaughn who tells his father that he thinks his mother's old pendant is one of these seven treasures. And when Evnis asks his son to join him, Vaughn stands resolute in his decision to fight for good and tells Evnis that he cannot join him. They are about to go their separate ways when an arrow sprouts from Evnis's chest. Evnis's tail ends with his body falling to the swampy ground, a tunnel of darkness closing in, and a deep, terrifying voice calling to him through the ever-growing darkness. He recalls a night long ago when he had sworn an oath in a forest glade, Azroth. Corbin and his troop, now safely behind the walls of the legendary giant-made tree fortress of Drasil, face off against their attackers. After an epic champion one-on-one -on -one fight, where Corbin emerges victorious and then manages to escape from the once again dishonorable betraying JL, who, though agreeing to surrender should Corbin win, then tries to run Corbin down on horseback, they fight with Corbin's forces routing their attackers and emerging victorious. After the victory, Corbin has a dream and upon waking, confronts Michael, whom he saw in the dream. Michael then reveals to him that he actually made up the whole prophecy, and it was all to bait Azroth into fighting the humans, so Elion would return to the Bent Elim once again, knowing that Elion has great love for the humans, and would come back to protect them. Everything Corbin has been told about him being Elion's chosen champion, and his destiny, that mere moments before was the glue holding his entire army together. The reason they all follow him is now a lie. Corbin storms off in a rage, and needing some air, leaves Drasil via some tunnels so he can think. While he is out clearing his mind, Drasil is attacked by Kalidus and his Kadashim forces. Michael is taken by Kalidus and dies, not well, by Legion, the unholy Jahar filled with many Kadashim demons. During his stroll, Corbin is jumped by the leader of the Jotun, the giants that Jael allied with in the beginning of the book, and tasked with capturing Corbin. He is taken captive, and Storm, who was with him at the time, was mortally wounded. Nothing is more sad than hearing her wounded yelps fade into the distance as he is taken away. Except, of course, when the yelps stop, and he hears only silence. And this is how Book 3, Ruin, ends. Thank you, teacher. Thank you, class, <laughs> yes. for, well, man, for listening like to my serious... report. No, yeah, I seriously uh, had to put together a report for that. And I'm sure anyone who knows this story is like, oh my gosh, he skipped over so much. I like, do it in every episode, y'all. Like, Yeah, there's like whole arcs in there that I just didn't even want to get into because I just have a terrible ability to summarize and I always just want to make it fun to read and exciting, you know? So it's rough yeah. when I try to just summarize. <laughs> I mean, if we went over like every plot point of this, we'd be here for like two hours. Like, it, Seriously. I'm really not exaggerating. We'd be, it would be 20,000 words of just going through everything so let's hit the high points let's hit kind of like our thoughts here so uh one of my one of my big uh <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna hit i'm gonna go right out of the gate with kind of a, a complaint what the hell was corbin doing just getting some air in like a besieged like yeah well he thinks that he just won i guess 
because they like routed JL earlier, right? And he's like, "Oh, I'm so upset." But they didn't all like leave. They're not all no. gone. Like they didn't leave the country or any. Like it's not like they all like flew away. I mean, they did like mess up the attacking forces earlier, but I don't think I that guess, he knew that yeah. Kaladis and his Kadashim were so close. It just seems weird. It's like oh, I need to go get some air. Like I'm the leader of this entire operation. So I'm just gonna like go alone out here. Like and yeah, that seems. Silly, I'll bring my wolf. <laughs> like that, that just felt kind of contrived. And like one thing to uh, Gwen's credit, I mean, like not a ton of this is like that contrived. I mean, like a lot of stuff is pretty cool sequence of, of events and the like, consequences and stuff. But like with that, is I was just like, ah, come on, man. Like he's gotta go outside. Like how do I get him outside? Hmm, maybe there's he needs a some few air. parts during this book that you're just like what like i forget whom but there's a character that finds like a wooden box in a bog <laughs> he's like walking through a bog and he's like oh wow a man could get stuck in this and like sinks into it and then he finds something like hard with his foot <laughs> and he like pulls it up and then he like carries it around with him i think it's wraith or rafe one of the two or and wraith or breath yeah, one of them. And he like carries this box with him randomly, like not able to open it for a long time. Then like his at the very end not um, of the book, but right before at the end of his storyline, he like throws it on the ground. He's just like mad one day and he <laughs> breaks it open and he discovers like a plain cup inside of it and thinking to himself, well, I might as well enjoy some wine. Out Let's of this have cup. myself a cup of wine while we're <laughs> so, at it. Yeah, he pours himself a cup, and even though it's like super heavy and like thrumming or something, he like drinks from it, and then he passes out. Basically, he like you know experiences one of those moments like they did in the Expanse, where you like see between the molecules of space time, and then he goes unconscious, and that's where he blacks out. But of course, he's going to rise uh, in the next book as like some dark lord or something. I'm sure. Which honestly, I'm pretty excited for because. I don't know. The bad guys in this book are like, like Nathair, so interesting, so interesting. And then just kind of boring and like, what a pushover. Like, what did you think of him yeah. being like, I'm actually the black son? Okay, fine. Yeah, I was actually going to, that was one of my first questions for you too, because I think it's a pretty big part of this book. And one that we had been uh, talking about, we wanted to get to this point, right? Uh, in the last couple episodes that we did. Yeah, Especially, excited too. Um, so I don't know. Like, I, like at first, at first, I was kind of like, man what a pushover like wow like but i don't know i think that that the conversation with him and calidus like calidus kind of like i guess the word i would use would be like relativizing like he kind of just like he's calidus has a silver tongue and he's kind of just like really he's just like look man like here's here's everything from my perspective and like exactly why none of this is like it's not a big deal that we're all demons like it's it's really like like, yes we all like what is a demon after all yeah you know and he basically like redefines a bunch of words and he's like it's really the same thing you're just fighting for evil now So at first I was kind of like, damn, Nathair, like that is pretty weak. Like that, it took like one and a half conversations and you like feeling weird about it for a little bit, but then ultimately, but then also I kind of like thought about Nathair's character over the last few books and it kind of, I think Gwyn set Nathair up pretty well for this, for going over to the other side, like we're not the other side, I guess he was already on the side, but acquiescing to Calidus and all of this with full knowledge of what was going on. I think he set it up pretty well because like Nathair, Nathair jumps into quite a bit, like, you know, like him meeting with the Vinthalan in the very, in the first book, you know, like even though his dad was just like, dude, stop talking to these people. Right. Please don't do this one thing. And then he does that one thing. It, it sucks that we don't have Nathair chapters because I think he's easily one of the most interesting characters in the entire series. It's not that he wants 
glory or attention or mm. just to win. I think what I think Nether actually does want a unified banished lands, but he wants to be at the head of it. And yeah, that's what he's he wanted this emperor. whole time. And so when when uh, so Caladus, like all attention and power. Well, so Caladus like rationalizing as much as he did, I think it got him to a point, but then I think the real clincher was when Caladus was like, Oh, and by the way, you can totally be the leader of everything. Once like all we need is for uh, is for literal Satan to come back for a little bit because he's just right. he just wants to he just wants to touch base. You know what he I mean? Needs like to get here and like, defeat his enemies, then he's yeah, out. Like like Satan just I'm just gonna say Satan, but like yeah, like Satan wants to come check everything out, check the lay of the land, and then we'll just put you on the throne, and he'll go, he'll go back to Satan land. You know what I mean? You can like, be as good as you want to be. Yeah, totally. Oh my god, you just that... be so good, dude. You can be so good, like evil good, great. Like I said though, um, like reading it initially was a little bit jarring because I was just like, damn, Nathair. But then thinking more about the character, I think it was pretty well done. Actually, that's my opinion. I, I don't disagree with you fully. Um, I I do think that it was certainly along that path. You know, let's keep in keep in mind that like. Nether was in on the like killing of his father mm -hmm. in order to like gain for personal gain so he could yeah. you know I mean he justified it in his mind he sleeps at night because he thinks that he had to do that so he could rise to be this emperor position that would be the only way that he would act as the Serendisk layer and defeat the forces of evil the coming tide and then when he learns that he is the coming evil tide he's kind of gone too far and he's kind of moping around for a little bit and then Calidus comes to him and one of his first things that he says to Calidus is like well, you're not gonna kill me and Calidus is like no I need your men like I can't just kill you like you're <laughs> smart and Nathair I don't think is actually that smart I think he was yeah, legitimately yeah. worried I don't think Nathair is that smart either like, no he's really not but then he gets totally tricked <laughs> a useful by idiot yeah he's a very useful idiot yeah um and he's just like it's so funny because we have this whole spiel from Calidus being like, yeah, it's just like names are just words. They don't mean anything. You will have everything that you ex intended. You can be as good as you want. Azeroth's going to come in. He's going to kill Elion and the uh, Ben Elim who are just like, it's not even angels and demons. Just think of them as like two creatures that aren't humans. And then you can rule all is all is good. All is the same. And then like, Three pages later, the Kadashin, they get to this village that earlier Corbin like got through all like peacefully and everything. They get to the same village and the Kadashim are enjoying their newly found bodies, of course, and reveling <laughs> in the taste of human flesh. And they're literally eating children in the background. And there's like, yeah, I suppose it doesn't really matter if only the name of my God changes. And the Kadashim are like <laughs> eating children in the background. You're like, yeah, okay, Nathair. <laughs> And Calidus is like right next to him when someone's like, Nathair's like, the world will never allow this sort of behavior. And Calidus is like, oh yeah, they're like playful children with it. And he says with a wistful smile, like recalling fondly the taste of flesh when he first got his body. It's like, oh my gosh, Nathair, you truly have gone wrong. What did you think about Varadis's arc about how he comes back, then he gets sent off on a little mission to go defeat the uprising uh, yeah. of, that is being led by his father? What did you think of that? I have kind of similar feelings about Veratus as I do with Nathair. I think Veratus is pretty interesting. And I also think Gwyn did a pretty good job setting Veratus up for a believable reaction to the news that Nathair gives him. I thought it was pretty well executed. That being said, I do think that Veratus was a, a little thick for like a while. Like, and, and I, it's like, I get it because Veratus's like relationship with his brothers and stuff and his dad. And it was like the way that Veratus and uh, Nathair kind of like hooked up 
uh, was like fireworks. You know what I mean? Like it was so, it was, you got to think about like how big of a deal it was for Nathera to turn around and like cut his hand and be like, you're my guy. You know what I mean? It was so important to Veratis. Blood brothers. So like, I think personally, I would have liked to see, uh, to have seen in the Veratis chapters, a little like a little bit more kind of like inner turmoil and a little bit less of kind of like well the knows best like I, I think the things that were happening uh, it kind of made me feel like man Veratis, like i know that you've got uh rose colored glasses on right now but like you are a capable like leader of armies like you should like, like someone that's this tactful on a battlefield and this logistical and stuff like shouldn't be this thick with this and, and I, but i do think right, it's cool like that deceit he, is a big part of warfare right exactly it's huge and i think that it was silly it was just kind of as a, as a reader i was kind of like come on man like really but then i think his reaction made a lot of sense it, it worked when if talked to him but um yeah what are your thoughts well, oh you asked me about off, his I, dad sorry i'm sorry i, I want to interrupt that you, you asked me about his dad and the rebellion and stuff yeah yeah like what do you think of like him being sent off to even do that i mean i think that like that was like a gigantic red flag um that should have been at least like has uh, and correct me if i'm wrong correct me if i'm reading this incorrectly but what's his name like uh ferratus's dad L lamar or is that where they're from I, or wherever i think um, it is like an l but i forget the name of his dad um so like ferratus's dad seemed very like confrontational uh, toward tenebral in general lamar nice memory dude Oh, wow. I got that right. Wow. You did. Um, yeah. So like he seemed, he didn't seem on board with a whole lot. He seemed kind of like uh, almost like isolationist. And I, I could be wrong about how I was reading that, but it seemed weird for him to like stage a rebellion. I mean, it just seemed weird that it was him specifically who was leading the thing. Yeah. Like, it, did I miss something? Like, was there something else that had happened? Was it something to do with Ektor? Like, I don't know. Like it no. just seemed like it was kind of like popping off. Like did 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 Lamar like really like Fidele or something, and like really dislike Lycos or I don't really know. It just seemed weird. Like it just I don't know. Maybe I missed something. Uh, Lamar is one of the like noblemen of that. Yeah, so if there's totally. you know he's definitely a, a solid candidate for one of the people to rise up, and he knows like all the old guard right, before Nathir yeah. took control. So you know like he's like a natural person to suppose, lead the rebellion. Yeah. But there could be like there's probably like, ten other Lamars noblemen who are like outplaced who could lead too and i thought it was a little rich that it just so happened to be his father that was leading the rebellion perhaps i'm missing a, a piece of something that makes it more logical that he is but one thing that i thought was a little um just kind of silly was calidus's perhaps arrogance uh in being like because they want Varadis to leave because they're like really trying to prevent him from learning that there yeah. <laughs> is the dark sun the and so sun. he like uh the black sun yeah thank you and he leads so he's like oh let's just immediately we need welcome back we need you to go take out your father but like look at his soul you know like why do you want him to not find out because you know he's gonna not be okay with being like <laughs> uh, the forces of evil do you think yeah. he's also gonna be okay with like killing his dad you know and he has a like weird conversation with calidus with calidus is like but you will like do what's required of you right and veratus is like yeah i will but like i'm gonna make sure i know what's going on <laughs> but i got like a line <laughs> yeah like, <laughs> it's like a limit man yeah and then I, just, I don't know how excited i was about the whole him recapturing uh makin and fidele and then like lycos getting his like time again to like torture the hell out of poor mckean yeah. and then fortunately fiddle was taken from him so he wasn't able to have his way with her again because man like you were saying uh before we did the recap 
this book has sometimes like a YA read to it. You're just kind of jotting along and all of a sudden there's just like two people being tortured and some son watching his dad being eaten alive by a bear. Yeah. That actually happened. And you're like, whoa. And it gets so like heavy. Yeah, it does. <laughs> you know? It gets really heavy. Yeah. Somebody sexually assaulted. Uh, like, And it's, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Damn. It's a lot. Yeah. Forgot about the bear so, thing. First, the, what? Forgot about the bear thing. Yeah, dude. Yeah. It was rough. I was like, yeah. oh my gosh. So I don't know. I think it was Caldas was being pretty like arrogant to send Varanus. And then they have this like weird like farce of a like trial. When they, they come, oh, when they yeah. bring him back, and that of course like falls to pieces with Mithair just like playing the puppet of being like, well, mother, clearly you did not take you're well. Obviously insane. Yeah, like, like you've gone crazy. The 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 what do they call them? Like the rumors or something? The the humors. The humor. You have bad humors upon you, mother. And uh, calls her crazy. And the cat Lycos is like, yeah, it's really weird. She sent all of her like personal guard and like sent. To the far reaches of the kingdom. Weird, even though it was like super him that did that. And all the people like Lamar, his father, and Hector and his brother uh, Kellis, Krellis Kellis, is there. Kellis, and yeah. they're like screaming the truth at him. And Rannis is just kind of confused. And then finally demands <laughs> of Nathair, like, what is going on? And then Nathair, of course, reveals to him. And I was finally excited with the the depth of like morality that like Varadis finally we needed him to like. I'm glad that he didn't take time in deciding no, he rose to just the like occasion. nope yeah yeah, yeah yeah he rose he like immediately freed fiddle he like righted the wrongs because he got fiddle and mckeen in this situation along with his brother and father but that's why i'm saying i, I wanted to give gwyn credit because like you, you know, for that to happen the way that he had built veratus up you need to be able to back up with other events like you know what I mean? you need to be able to justify veratus's uh reaction because like uh, I think cleverly, um, Gwyn showed the kind of like the dynamic between Varadis and his family and Varadis and Nathair. Uh, right. Very contrasted dynamics. So I think that, um, yeah, like credit to Gwyn um, for setting all that up pretty well and like Varadis um, doing the things that needed to happen in those. Like I, I would have been very frustrated if he was like, I don't know, like this Nathair guy is pretty cool. Like, Yeah, I, like I know he's got believable. a new scar in his palm, but. Uh... Yeah, it wouldn't have been <laughs> believable at all. No, not even a little. You're totally, totally right. And then, you know, I'm also glad there, there's things that I really like about John Gwynn's storytelling style, which he doesn't make us wait for things that we shouldn't have to wait for, such as the romance developing between Fiddle and Maquin. We don't yeah. have like a whole book of them like flirting with each no, other. It's like just kind of happening. Yeah, yeah he just yeah, mans yeah. up right away. Love yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, we don't have a whole book of Veritas drowning in guilt over like being in the middle of a battle and then having his father ending up on his own sword and being like, I killed my dad when really it was his son, Ector, who like pushed his father yeah. onto Veritas's blade. Good timing, by the way. Like, yeah, yeah, right. I know. <laughs> he was like, a lot of things had to go right for that to happen. Ector is just like, ah. <laughs> right. And that's one of those things that, like Ector, like when he first came up, I had to literally go to my dramatis persona. And I was like, who is this Ector person? Oh, it's his brother. It's interesting because like Ector was like helping Fidele figure some stuff out in the book before this. Yeah, yeah. His deception goes deep. But, but I mean, he thinks uh, he was just a slimy person. And, you know, he comes out of nowhere with like dad uh, with daddy issues. Yeah, right. Like dad which... always wanted like a soldier and I'm like a book guy. So I'm going to kill my dad and betray everything I love to the forces of evil. OK, Hector. Yeah. You know, so it's like that's bad John Gwyn and then good John Gwyn, his brother. Krellis gets released by Varadis and Varadis is like, no. And Krellis immediately kills the brother. <laughs> Good John Gwyn, you know? Uh, you know, I will say one thing for John Gwyn. He really, really loves 
to have his soldiers just cutting the shit out of their hands to swear to people. Oh yeah, that's a big that's a big deal. Big deal. It's not, it's not healthy. It's dangerous. You shouldn't do that. No, not at all. I mean, yeah. like everyone is always about to fight. Yet for some reason, how we swear allegiance to fight for someone else is we cut our hand that is most likely going to be like needed very soon yeah, to like hold a weapon. Yeah, there, there's one scene where there's like a thousand people who all swear allegiance to Corbin and they use the same dirty sword that's stuck into the ground. Like if one of them had like a bloodborne disease, they now all have the bloodborne disease because they all <laughs> cut themselves in the hand. I don't know. I just thought it was a little like, okay, let's prick ourselves, you know? Um, so we've talked about Nefer, we've talked about Veratus. Like, what do you think about the kind of arcs of some of the other main characters? Like, what do you think about, let's talk about Corbin. I mean, Corbin's probably like, I guess you could call Corbin the main character of this ensemble cast. Yeah. I think we should talk about Corbin a little bit. Okay, well, I'm glad you asked me because if I've heard a lot of things online of people being like his character work. And it's like, if you mean by like throwing handfuls of characters at me, sure, his character work. But that's one of the bad John Gwens, in my opinion, because you get these characters like Veratis, like Corbin, who go from just like farm boy in one book to like leader. And next. like Veratis was in the first book. He wasn't really presented to us as a strategic leader of men or as like a one on one combat extraordinaire. But by the middle of the second book, he is master. I think it was there was an attempt with like Veratis like looking at the ants in that one scene. I think that so that he was watches ants and becomes I know, a legendary. I, I think leader. that that was like the attempt at like yeah because I no I I mean I'm with you there. I mean I think that that's like a little silly and then Corbin becoming like this like master swordsman and it's and it's interesting too because like with Michael saying basically you know like I just I made everything up. You know, oh, let's get to that in a second. <laughs> we should, but what it, it has to do with, like, that was what I was thinking a lot of the time when I was, like, seeing Corbin do all this, like, amazing stuff and just, like, you know. Providence. What? It was Providence. Like, that's why he was able to do it, because it was destined. I'm with you. Right. That's what I thought. But then I find out that, like, none of that's even real. And it's like, okay, well, why is this kid, like, so amazing at, like, everything then? Like, I don't yeah, understand. he did, like, like, the water dance every morning. He did some yoga tai chi. Yeah, but like he, I don't know, he's like 17 or whatever. Like he's, he's literally he, 17. He started yeah. 17 at the beginning of this book. Yeah. So like, I don't know. I just don't, I just don't see it. Like, I just don't see. And also, I mean, like Corbin is not that interesting. Like I, he, he's not as interesting as Veratus or Nathair or um even uh, McKean. McKean. Uh, McKean. Oh yeah. I like McKean a lot, actually. Yeah, McKean's pretty cool. I, I would say like, Camlin uh, is pretty interesting too, actually. So like, I would say like Camlin, yeah. McKean, Veratus and Thayer are all pretty interesting to me. Uh, Corbin and Cohen and Coraline and Gar are all... Like, Gar was cool for, like, the first was book. Cool. And then all of a sudden, he's just not anymore. Yep. Brynna is just there to give Cohen something to do, I guess. Because we were just like, what are we supposed to do with Cohen? Uh, she'll learn magic now, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she'll be Brenna's an apprentice and learn healing. With Corbin, I mean, I feel like Cor the only... In my opinion, the only thing that was really that interesting about Corbin was his kind of like inability to commit to a decision for a couple books. Uh, but then he yeah. does, which I thought was cool. I think it's I think it's neat in this book that Corbin does commit and he's like, all right, well, shit. Like, <laughs> I guess, I, yeah, I'll do it. You know, we, we kind of limped there, but I think that was the point. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just I see Cor Corbin as like kind of like a like an Aragon type character where it's just totally. like 
it's like yeah he's a little conflicted but like mostly he's just like aha like that's there for it i don't know like eh, yeah i don't really have that much to say about him no i almost i like his friends better like doth and, and vaughn you know like and, and i really like the relationship between um dath is it dath yeah, yeah it's, it's dath, dath and vaughn um and and camlin like he's kind of like taking him under his wing yeah, and shows pretty how cool to be, but then they get separated in this book anyway, so it doesn't matter. Wait, is yeah. death with is death with Camlin or Corbin? Wow, I can't even remember. Death is with Death, I believe, is with he's with Camlin because him and Camlin <laughs> are doing. Oh my god, Jeez. they're doing like I little like forest foyers, or if the, is that Vaughn? I don't know. See, Death and Vaughn in my mind are like the same person, kind of yeah. like Cohen and Coraline, which is weird. They're just like the same person, and again, unearned progress. Like, yes, okay, he spent some time in the forest with Camlin, but all of a sudden he becomes like an amazing scout. And he's like, like sharpshooter. Like, yeah, yeah, he's like a sharpshooter arrow guy. We also have the same thing happening with Adana in book two. She's like, man, I'm a queen now thrust into this position, but I'm like really quiet. Doesn't talk for like basically the entire escape north. And then all of a sudden is like the queen, like really filling her role. And it's like this badass leader person. I was like, I just don't see the transition. She just wasn't. And now she is that. Yeah. And I'm like, man, what? Yeah, I am. Um... I don't know. It's kind of like what I was saying before, but like, I feel like I'm just kind of like looking through these characters' eyes at like other things happening without getting like a whole lot of like how they really feel about stuff. Like, and, and you know, it's not all the time, obviously. Like, there are moments where people think about stuff and they talk about stuff with other people, but you know, these are like some pretty intense, like really big events. And I feel like with how hectic everything is and the, how the, the breakneck, the pacing is and everything. We're not really getting like a whole lot of opportunities to like really sink our teeth into like what all this means and like why, like why, like this, this might sound a little glib on my part, but like, why does any of this, like, like who are they protecting other than like themselves? Like where are the, where are like the cities that are just kind of like full of people you know what I mean? Like, is it just, are they they're just like bouncing around from like castle to castle? And it's like, that's what I kind of mean about like the world building and like the immersion aspect of it, where I'm just kind of like, why is any of this even like important? Well, it turns out it's not. Michael just made it all up. Yeah. And <laughs> it's a bait to lure his God back from who knows where Mope land because he allowed the seven star treasures to like come about, I guess. But see, what I'm wondering is like, how do, how does Corbin even know that Elyon is like, a good god he doesn't like so because like some of them like the ben Elim have like feathery wings Feathers? yeah dude i was just gonna say one has feather wings the other has skin like that one i don't know man like it just seems kind of weird it's like i mean the catechism did eat children too oh yeah but corbin didn't see that like i'm talking about like, that's true yeah like, he didn't like or did he i can't no no it. he didn't see that no but like it seems odd that corbin is just like all right i'm throwing my lot in and like this is so important and it's like okay but michael could just like be lying you know like like a book ago you didn't even believe you were this guy you know and all it took was like apparently you murdering a lot of people for you to change your mind and like seeing your mom get killed and it's like oh well like the katashim killed my mom so obviously they're evil but it's like the benelim would kill how many mothers have they killed like this you know what i mean like it's, it's... Dude, and they kind of like set this whole thing up yeah, so I mean, like Michael did like yeah yeah like, well there's this important line right at the end of this confrontation scene Michael uh, revealing to Corbin that he just like made everything up I think to lure 
Elyon back because the humans are now like under duress, I guess. But Corbin's like, wait, what else is there? And then he has this weird cryptic line where he's like, I can't tell you anything yeah, else. I've yeah, made a promise to my else. kin. But he, he mentions the um, straw yeah. um, men that they tricked earlier. And he says, you are that or this is that or something. So like he's using humans that there's something bigger that he's trying to accomplish that I'm not really sure. I did think it was kind of interesting that there was a sort of like greater good conversation happening on on this side of like the Kadashim and Kalidus and Ithair and stuff like that. And then also kind of towards the end of this book, that that point gets brought back up with Michael and uh, Corbin and stuff. It's like, that's kind of like one of the main, I mean, it's pretty on the nose, but like that is like one of the main things that this book is trying to communicate to us is like, the greater good like what's up with that you know like what like is it okay to kill a thousand people so you can save a million you know like right is is that okay and um like michael kind of like taking these drastic steps and not explaining anything to the person that is kind of at the heart of it or at least that he put at the heart of it it seems kind of like silly and i don't know what the benefit of that actually would be like what's the benefit to michael of lying to corbin about this like why was that why would that make corbin more motivated to help that's why we don't we don't know the answer to that question yet because yeah. corbin's trying to get it out of him and he gives us like this weird kind of false answer to like get elion back but we don't even know why elion's gone in the first place or why can't elion like like if 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 things are bad enough that Michael wants Elion to come back, then why doesn't Elion just notice and come back? Like if he's the right. good god, like if he's the good one, wouldn't he? Is he just like that sad? You know what I mean? Like well, is he, he's sad because he like allowed the Starstone right. treasures and, to come into existence, and that like started a bag. Yeah, but like so he but, goes and mopes off and lets evil run everything yeah and it's that just seems kind of unless so this is what i'm thinking is maybe in the fourth book we realize that like something else is going on with um uh as asroth is that his name yeah uh-huh. sorry there's He's so many names. uh maybe something's going on where like um michael needs uh, michael was wrong about something you know what i mean and like this was like what he felt like was his only option was to kind of like smoke screen this entire thing so he could at least get eyes back uh, elion's eyes back on this but like what was so bad about the world before was it as what did did michael know that azroth was like coming back or something like i don't know no he manufactured there was nothing bad that's why he feels bad because oh, there totally was nothing right. bad. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. he literally made up this whole thing just to like and he said he needed to direct Azeroth's like evil fury somehow and then but you if know, like doing that him... wasn't even happening then like no. what's the problem here like, like all of Azeroth's actions were because he made up this false prophecy so everything that's happening is basically his fault and we think that he's just like using the humans to bait Azeroth into doing something so he can like go around he can he wants Azroth distracted so he can do something yeah in regards to bringing ellie on man that's what i was talking about kind of at the top of this episode where it's just like dan gwen man like you, you you i was bored for like 400 pages and then you dangle this weird shit in front of me yeah, and it's it like what am i hey, what am i supposed to do like not find out why any of this is happening like why is it i want to know why it was meaningless because it probably wasn't but like we got to save that right. for book four you got to save that for like you know 500 other little skirmishes and battles <laughs> which Dude, so like, many so many battles like i was i mean i like action i know you like action i know you like battles 
but man, there I like rolled my eyes a couple times where it was just like, and then the sound of hoofbeats, and then the 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 crying of wolves, and then the thundering of of giant footsteps, like and and then just. <laughs> like they're just being set upon and i know why like i get it like i'm not i'm not stupid like i i know what the situation is but it's like the whole second book it's corbin and and company running around running around attacked. and then here here's a twist what if we split everyone up and now they're in different parts of the baddest lands but they're all running around getting attacked you know until the very end where they go to it's just like with the second book where it's like until the very end where everybody kind of just meets at the same place and then a bunch of crazy shit happens and then it's over yeah <laughs> it's just like dude what are you doing <laughs> we had a few little skirmishes like we had the battle of graham's hold where uh, garth father died i believe and we had some like minor ones but they didn't even we have Varadis being tricked but they didn't even matter people were just running around like they're so like you said where are all the cities what is being defended they literally got to some legendary place to defend it yeah there was like one town full of people and i get that i mean it's, it is like the world isn't unbuilt because you're not seeing like a ton of civilians or i mean like in song of ice and fire it's like you know it's, it's the nobles like that's who you're mostly but at totally. the same time you got like flea bottom you know what i mean you got like a big like all of king's landing and stuff and then like there's a bunch Peasants of people living the place. yeah there's like people living at winterfell and stuff and i mean it's a thing like people talk totally. about it at least um but with this it feels like i don't i don't know what like the class system is here i don't know like what the like how many people live in this country like right like how many rebels were there in the swamp like what's at stake here is it just a bunch of castles and the people living in them like i don't really care Rin will take over everything i guess i mean like like in in song of ice and fire you've got like this kind of like ancient demonic force nobody believes in that's behind a 700 foot ice wall it's like it's threatening to kill everybody below it and it's like and it's like that threat is from the first book like it's corroborated it's it's viscerally it's, uh, real it's supported by one of the main characters like experience and like seeing this stuff with this it's like okay so let's say azroth get like what then like what's the what's the problem here you know what i mean like what's what's i guess like the the winged demon things like eat babies that's really bad but it's like are they just are the winged demon things just gonna like eat all the babies like what's like i don't it's just, it's just bad. It's just going to be bad. Okay, like, so... Instead of good. I'm, I'm trying to figure this out here because there's like it's funny because Michael's like, Corbin, you need to be decisive. Everyone's looking for you to lead. And then Corbin's like, okay, fine. We're going to go meet up with Adana. And he's like, no, we need, I need you to lead, but not that way. I need you to do... It's like, not like that. Like, not like dude. that. When he like... Corbin finally does what he asks and he's like, nah, nah, you need to do what I need to, you to do. And he's very concerned with getting all of the treasures back. And then sure, when he has this yeah. like dream yeah. thing that Corbin sees... He overhears like some conversations where they're like, when, Michael, when can we come or something? And we know that all of these artifacts like together can open a portal that will like let in people from, I guess, the spirit realm. Can I interrupt you really quick? Sorry. I want to say I want to say I do think it was really funny. There was like this little moment where someone was like, well, we've got the cauldron. Like, can't we just like bring Azroth in? And they're like, nah, we got to have all the stuff. And then some characters like, why is it like that? Yeah. (laughs) I love that part. Like if John Gwynn was here with us right now i'd be like that was fucking hilarious i love that because like because it was like when you were writing it you knew that it was like pretty dumb and calvis had like just done that at the end of the last book (laughs) with just two of them moving on i just thought that was i thought it was cool and it was like a very um 
This is like a really cool part of it. Yeah, yeah, like someone wrote himself to a corner was like, screw it. <laughs> I think <laughs> that's called um, right past it. I, I believe I believe I could be wrong. I think that's a writing technique called lamp shading, where you kind of like will use like a throwaway line or like a scene to kind of like like cover um like um I, I'm, I'm sorry, I could be wrong about this. Uh but like when when Neville Longbottom like knocks over all the time turners in the fifth book. Oh, right. Like that's like lamp shading. It's like we just like just cut that and and just nip that in the but don't no one can talk about that it's it's kind of it's like breaking the fourth wall a little bit um where you're just kind of like ah i know this is kind of silly i'm just gonna like totally take care of this right totally. now um, but yeah but go on go interesting on, go on. what a cool little like literary element for like it's kind of it's almost cheating kind of you're just like ah, it doesn't matter anymore something that was super important ah, it doesn't matter it just is the way it is okay so getting all of the starstone treasures together will open up some portal and we hear Corbin over here, Michael talking about something that clearly is like, when can I come through? And so maybe Michael's ultimate gain is to get all of them together, not so he can destroy them, but so he can bring the Ben Elim over and they can rule. Or maybe, maybe by doing that, he'll open a portal to wherever Elyon is and then they'll suck Elyon in. And then he's like, yeah, you're back. But like, that's my question is in like, maybe, maybe I was just disinterested at this point and just wasn't reading the text closely enough, but like, what is the benefit of Michael's plan? Like what, what, why would the banished lands be in a better place if Azroth was defeated? Well, I mean, that's not even what he's trying to do, but why is, why would the Ben Elim be better with Azroth defeated? Yeah. What, what, what benefit is, uh, that's what I'm like kind of failing to see. And I, Mm -hmm. and I shared it with, I shared a lot of Corbin's kind of like annoyance because the throughout a lot of the book he was just like dude why is it me like i don't understand and and i shared that with him i was like yeah dude like why is it you there's no real reason why it should be at all you know other than like a prophecy that says storm and shield which is like also so like let me help me out here so uh the storm and shield part is part of the prophecy correct totally um so michael wrote that super coinkening it can't be man it is because it just says he will be like led by storm and shield like no he could, no i don't there could I'm be like, a storm at one point in I'm, any shield I'm, and they would have just say. i'm sitting here on my podcast refusing to believe that that can't Bro. be real the way it is okay so there is a line where michael says one sec he says blah 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 well you just made it all up and he's like ah that's true michael said his brow furring which gives me hope they're talking kind of like, well, you you mentioned things that you could not know that like right, have actually exactly. come yeah, true. Yeah. And then he's like, well, it gives me hope. Perhaps Elyon is stirring at last, is noticing, is becoming involved. Oh, I remember what that line. What I do yeah, know is I wrote that with my own hand. I, I, my fucking eyes glazed over when I read that. Cause yeah, because so he's like, well, dumb. maybe Elyon was leading me in my deception like or something. I don't know. Maybe it's all real. Maybe it's not fake. Dude, that's what I'm hoping happens in the fourth book. That's like I think that it would be really cool if Michael had been wrong and something there was some other kind of like thing at work here. Like maybe Elyon actually is a lot more involved than everybody thinks. Because Azroth Azroth yeah. has been Ooh, what if one of the characters we've had this entire time is Elyon? Dude, I've been thinking about that. I can't figure out who I think it would be. Camlin may know and we can't. No, it's not it would be a, it would be a character that isn't a POV character. Totally, totally. Like we're going way into the realms of like conjecture here, but like, yeah, yeah, all, yeah. No, this is book. good stuff. But I mean, we're, we have to deal with sentences like this. Azroth hates Elyon with a passion few could even imagine, but he also loves him in a deep, hidden place. Like, what the hell? 
<laughs> does that even mean? I mean, cause, I mean, if you look at it from, um, you know, even like with Christian theology and also um, if you if you want to dig into like Tolkien and the splitting of the of Eru into into the the valor and stuff um azroth if elion is like the kind of like prime mover like main one like apex god totally the unbegun beginner yeah then um then azroth could be nothing but a part of elion same thing with like satan or morgoth uh where it's like there there's always like that kind of connection you know what I mean? So I think maybe that totally. was what, one made the other. Yeah. Right. So I think that was kind of what Michael was getting at with that. Okay. Okay. I actually get that word. But I, yeah, I do think though that like, it's just kind of a mess, like, because we're, we're at the fourth book and I think we are, we obviously have a lot more to read and we have a lot more revelations and that, you know what, I, w- I want to give this book some, some more credit revelation. because like, at least I like that there was some revelation happening here in this book where there were some twists the story like, forward there were some twists like there was some kind of like oh wow i wasn't expecting that at all like and, and even though some of it was predictable like you know like calidus like not really dying i was just kind of totally. like wow like yeah i mean there is a whole fourth book you know so right but michael, michael super dying yeah so that was i mean but that was it was funny because like the predictability of calidus not dying kind of made it, it unpredictable that michael would so that was yeah weird do you think that because like at one point um lycos like dies after being stabbed by (laughs) makin what'd you say no i'm laughing good yeah oh yeah he meets up with lycos uh he meets up with calidus excuse me in like the spirit world again my word spirit world but wherever they live and yeah yeah and he's like about (laughs) to go over like the like the river sticks essentially and lycos is like or calidus is like but do you like wanna come back i'm not sure how Calidus has the power over life and death because he basically brings him back to life. Yeah. And then later on, the Makin dies. Happens. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he is given the opportunity to come back. And is it Makin who dies? Yeah, I'm pretty yeah, sure it's, it's Makin. Because he's yeah. like, oh, like I love I just love this fiddle person like so yeah, much. Yeah, he's like, I, I have to come back for, for two people that I hate, one people or person I love. Yeah, that's a good line, actually. That's pretty badass line. Yeah, I was just gonna say yeah. that's pretty and I kind of cool. thought that was like the balancing of the universe that like Michael got to bring somebody back because Calidus did it. Is that what your take was? Well, I mean, like, my take was like, why is anybody like why even have them die? Like, you know right, what I mean? Right. Like, I mean, like I know I know it's it's cool like but like it's it's it seems it, it seems, seems like very plot armory like cheating i mean it's cool at least right so it's like yeah. at least it's not just somebody not dying of a wound you know because there's like different levels of plot armor like uh like harry going to fucking like matrix platform nine and three quarters <laughs> to talk to to talk to dumbledore like yeah like it's kind of lame but it's like at least a spell just like didn't work or something. You know what I mean? Like, right, I think right. that there's some, there's certain levels where it's like we can play around with it a little bit, and it's like I don't want this character to die, but like we'll we'll kind of like do something that adds not only to the lore but also like uh, the, the, these character intentions in the world and stuff like that. So it's fine. Right, he did something. He gets a boon from the all. I do powerful think, one. I do think that it it is just kind of like um you know this is me putting on like my real critical pants, but I I do feel like a lot of the stuff that happens in these books is just kind of like us getting unnecessarily sidetracked, you know, like Evness. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I, I get Evness to a, to an extent. I think Evness should have died like at the end of Malice or like the beginning of Valor totally. or something. You know what I mean? Like, and then that's just my opinion, but like, 
it did serve a little bit of a purpose in the in the first book, which I I still like Malice more than all of these personally. That's totally my... in the betrayal and like getting the stairs to and open like the his gates. wife yeah, totally. and stuff. Like Evanus was actually pretty interesting for a little while, but I think that he kind of overstayed his welcome in the series. Way and, like, overstayed. I think Ed, Edana and um, Camlin and them like splitting off and stuff and all of that shit that was going on. Like, I just don't really see the point of any of it. Like, yeah, Varadis killing his own dad didn't need to happen. Yeah, like I mean, a lot of this is just kind of like like it's not bad. It's not bad like and let me i want to reiterate something else like none of this is badly written no. by the way like i don't mind reading all like gwen is a perfectly capable writer like like there's no parts of this where i'm just like what a horrible sentence like i don't know what the hell any of those like no it's fine right but, just 14 books at the same time but yeah exactly so it's like it's like i like thinking about how camlin's feeling to, a, to an extent like what's taking up more space in my brain is like why are they even why are they over here like i understand there was like a reason for it at the end of valor but like i don't know well they ran to drassel because it's one of the starstone treasures is there well i understand why they went to drassel but but adana and camlin and them did not go to drassel they went back to arden right to the swamp to meet up with rebels i mean i guess i understand that like adana wants her thrown back and stuff but it's like how are you gonna why do you go with Corbin? Like you get the throne back later. Like this is like a, a war of gods and stuff. Like what is Adana yeah. being back on the throne of Arden going to like going to do? Like everyone's dead. Like who, what army exists there that she'd be able to like fight up against Rin who has like five countries under her belt right now? Like what, what is, what is totally. this? Like what's going She's on She's even here? betrayed by one of Panathrin's men who tries to kill her. It's like a, a full side oh, thing that like, that. yeah, yeah she what a mess. gets like yeah. betrayed and he's like, well, if I kill you, then I can take your whole army and and then like I'm leading and I'll still fight for like the same side. But now I want to lead. It's like, <laughs> why is this even happening? Like it doesn't change anything at all. There's just too much. And then Lycos yeah. with Alcyon's wife. And there's just all these weird little like side rabbit trails. And I'm like, I'm just kind of confused now. Yeah. I mean, I'm impressed. I'm impressed yeah, that this kinda. was like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm impressed because obviously a lot of people do really like this. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's not just badly put together because obviously a lot of people really resonated with um, like from some of the reviews that I've read, people are like, this is like the best book series I've ever read in my life. And it's like, damn, like that's really awesome that you feel that I'm happy you found something like that. But like, it's not one of my favorites for sure because of all these things. But I mean, this just goes to show that like some, some stuff just doesn't stick to you, you know? And like for some reason, uh, for a lot of reasons, like this one just didn't really stick to me, but I am still pretty excited to read the fourth book and have this series under my belt and stuff and just kind of move on from it and read more John Gwynn. But I don't know, man. I don't know about this one. Like yeah, I'm getting kind of like Lycanius, like, dude. like, like I, I, cause with Lycanius, by the way, apparently that new book by James Islington, the will of the many is like amazing. Dude, well, I don't. I can't listen to other people anymore, man. I know it's funny. <laughs> yeah, but like, but <laughs> for real, for real, for real. <laughs> but with Lycanius, I had a lot of the same issues where it was just like it was like I, I the, the moment to moment kind of things that were happening were pretty cool. There, I mean, there were some yeah. epic, epic yeah, fights problem, in Lycanius. It's like real good. There's like one scene in Lycanius from the, I think it's the beginning of the third book that will be etched into my brain forever because it was <laughs> such an epic fight scene. There's just like flying around like this art, like this, the ruins of like this ancient, it is so cool. And like yeah, the sun is cool like power red, battles. but it was, it was so awesome. But like also, the story was wild. I never felt immersed with Lycanius. Like I never no. felt, I never felt a sense of place. And that's kind of just like what I'm feeling here. Yeah. 
it's i think maybe that's just the kind of reader i am where it's like that's why i like the wheel of time so much like you know you got like tar valen and you've got like the lot and you've got i mean it's still this well, i mean it's like a nine i'm not book. i'm not i'm not singing wheel of times full praises here because like there are a lot of sidetracks with wheel of time too where it's like where they don't even resolve or like go anywhere yeah, or like anything. four books like, worth yeah there's like a lot of um like whole storylines where it's just like what are we talking about <laughs> right now like this but there is for me personally and, it, and that's what it is like it really comes down to personal taste i mean like a lot of the reasons that i've given and that you've given for being a little bit like underwhelmed with some some keywords some aspects of this series are reasons why other people like it so much you know what i mean like i think that people are able to really kind of like latch on to a story like Corbin's or yeah. If you're trying to sink your teeth in. Yeah. But like, yeah, for me, it's, I don't know. <laughs> I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> I, I got one more here and then I'll, you can hit me with one here, Ben. Sure, we'll, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll wrap her up pretty quick here. I am very excited to read and figure out what, how this all ends. Sidebar to our sidebar. I, I just really hope that we don't get Michael being like, it's all fake. I made it up. And then, us being like, wow, so this is all for nothing. And then at the end, it's actually like fooled you, Michael. Elion's like, gotcha. I was there the whole time directing everything. It's like, why did you even, again, throw that in there? I think there's like a 65% chance that's actually going to happen. I know, so. <laughs> I know. Okay, so what did you think of the whole Brenna falling victim to the book? So there's like a big chunk where like Brenna, who has the Earth book that uh, Evnis originally had that Vaughn took when he ran out of the castle. Brynna takes it from him, using it to teach herself. And the book is like addictive and kind of corrupts you, kind of like the One Ring. Mm -hmm. I didn't really like that Cohen has to like talk to her about it and is like, hey, I think this book is kind of like taking you over and you've been kind of mean, like meaner than normal and been cut off. It's kind of like if Gandalf fell to the One Ring and Frodo had to be like, no, no, Gandalf. But like, I don't know. Just kind of made her weaker and of a character. Um, I don't know. I didn't really mind it because I don't think Brenna was ever set up as like this kind of like Gandalf type character. I think in the first book it seemed like maybe, but I think as it went on, she was much more of like a kind of just like a grumpy, like very well um, educated teacher figure, but not really like an all powerful, like uncorruptible kind of. Yeah. I don't know. I, I kind of I kind of liked it honestly. Maybe like, I only mean is like she's the magical leader. I don't know. I I, I kind of dug it because it really gave, okay. I don't know. It, it just gave more depth to not only Brenna but also to Kiwen too because you know she was dealing with that. I and, don't know. More depth would have been to hold stalwart, you know, and not fall victim. I feel like though she is open to Kiwen's approach when Kiwen. That's just like yeah. your opinion, man. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. And and I will say, Sorry. I will say that she is open to Kiwen being like, "Hey, this is becoming a problem," and she's like, "Okay, let's look at it together." And then that path is kind of ended. Think about it from this this point of view, because like initially I did have a little bit of an eye roll moment where I was like, oh, Cohen's going to learn magic now from Brenna because like Dude. neither because neither of them have anything to do. But I mean, at least Gwen like took it somewhere and maybe it still has a little ways to go, too, because, again, we do have a, another 700 page book ahead of us and there's so much room for more of that guy so yeah i didn't mind it one thing i really do enjoy that i think is rather well done um, and is kind of reminiscent of michael sullivan oh yeah yeah where you know michael sullivan in one of his books like the the age books where it's like oh, yeah, the... i haven't read those oh yeah because you haven't read rivia and i haven't read the age of whatever books. and i've been told i really need to first read Rivia by you many times he is has like lessons of the first empire is that what that series is called i think so i have them right here one sec yep 
Legends of the First Empire. Man, totally right. Evan over here. Um, well, you know, he it's funny because he'll like attribute. He has a kind of like hunter gatherer society, like invent the wheel and like really kind of industrialize almost and like mm -hmm. go from like hunting and gathering to like settling down and farming. And it's kind of cool to see the transition in one way. But it's totally. also kind of like funny that he invents the wheel, you know, in his book. Mm -hmm. Well, Gwyn does the same thing multiple times. Like, right. We have Nathair who invents the shield wall. And it's like mm -hmm. John Gwyn, like kind of like setting himself up to be like look at how good i am and like invent something that like already exists in the world <laughs> and then he also has like like apparently you're kind of surprised when it happens because like oh apparently like it's like isn't a thing in their world like at one point someone gets the idea of like hey we should train our soldiers in to use arrows because like i think it would be like a really good way to kill him and like we're already not using honor in battle with like the shield wall so we should like and then of course it's wildly effective but it's like were they not doing that in the battles before? Like, how do they not think like this thing that we use to kill deer could also be devastating in battle as well? Like, it was just like, okay, sure. I think it was uh, uh, Gwen tried to stress pretty early on the kind of like dynamic of battle in this series uh, before, like the lack well, thereof. I mean, there was there was uh, there was a dynamic. But there wasn't much of a um there wasn't <laughs> i think the way that he actually described it was like people running around swinging swords at each other like a big open totally field. it devolves into little one-on-one -on -one like, battles yeah yeah um which i mean it that was how we fought uh to a certain extent so i mean it's like he's just capturing that moment in time i think maybe the reason it feels a little lopsided is because other technology in the world has advanced to a certain point and, yeah. we, and we probably figured out a sort of phalanx like shield wall type thing a lot earlier on than like we figured out some of the other inventions that are present totally. in this world and it's like the bow and arrow wasn't invented for battles it was certainly immediately picked up and used for them you know yeah like it was probably i bet like a day went by <laughs> where they were like this is really useful for hunting food oh my god we could kill each other with this shit like, oh my yeah, like, exactly. like pretty much like an hour after they invented the bow like, and arrow can you imagine like, like a whole army we could blacken the sky honestly, honestly we probably <laughs> built we probably made the bow and arrow to kill people and then figured out we could kill pigs with it <laughs> so, straight up like, dude yeah <laughs> like for sure who are we kidding it was, yeah that was definitely the way it went uh, like i'm not surprised that we didn't start off like only having like horses do farming then before we know it, we're having cavalry and someone has the great idea you know uh, i think in 2001 a space odyssey it is the other way around though where like the monkeys or they uh they like figure out how to kill something and then they meet and then there's like this battle and then they kill each other i think it is that way around but uh that doesn't matter <laughs> an iconic movie all right so my last question is what do you think is going to happen in book four? Let's do a quick prediction and then wrap it up. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. How do you think this series is going to end? How do I think this series? Okay. So I think lots of people are going to die. Lots of people are going to die. I think we got a taste of, because we've had some plot armor so far. He has definitely been shown his willingness to kill people, but he, then he kind of like brings them back or he kind of like is a slippery little fish when it comes to killing. Seems like pro Man. plot armor on the side of the, the baddies. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. I think all the baddies are pretty much going to die. I think Veratus is going to be a liver. He's going to live through this. Him and Cohen are going to get together for sure. Totally. Corbin is going to... Corbin, I I'm, I'm unclear as to whether or not Corbin will live in the end. He might have to sacrifice himself. I think both McKean and Fidele will, will sacrifice themselves epically. Oh, interesting. I think that man i don't want to be right as far as like elion showing up and being like gotcha it was me the whole time you were right mm -hmm. like michael or like i think that we will learn that 
a part of Calidus was kind of right in his spiel to yeah, I think yeah there like he's going to be like the yin yang or something and he was a force that like had to be created to like alter like there was so much good in the world like he was a product of you know like a balance or something and I think that Elion will show up in some cryptic way at the end and be like you were in my hands the whole time you know sort of thing we just let thousands of people die horribly like <laughs> yeah a lesson like, that we had to like release the kadashim onto go children in sure. order to learn and then in one epic huge battle of course at the end that will be like the last third of the book obviously yeah what do you think is going to happen all right so i think corbin and Coraline are going to get together corbin's going to live corbin's totally going to live through this um i think veratus will live through this i think fiddle and mckean will live through this Oh, you think they're both going to live, huh? Yeah, I think they'll have nah. a kid. They'll have some kind of kid who will take... I think Nathair will die for sure. Dude, Fidelay is Nathair's mom. They're not going to have a kid. She's like well past. Uh, maybe, but I think they'll rule and like adopt like Halon or some, Halion. Okay, or whatever okay. That, whatever that dude's the little kid's yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's why that kid had chapters. I think he'll end up ruling something, which I don't I hated know. his uh, chapters. They were really boring. Um, so boring. Yeah, uh, I think... I don't know what's going to happen with like the gods and stuff um, with like Calidus. I think Calidus will probably, probably die um, for good. But I think that, I think that there's some kind of misunderstanding that everybody has on the real nature of both Elion and Azeroth. Totally. I think, well, I don't know about Azeroth. I don't know, man. Like, because Met him. I think it could be along the lines of what you're saying where like Elyon comes down and he's like, no, like Azeroth is this necessary evil. Calidus like, is Elyon? I don't think Calidus is I don't Elyon. think he's right. <laughs> I would, yeah, like we said before, like I think it would be pretty interesting if one of the characters in the Banished Lands was like yeah, Alcyon or something. Maybe Alcyon. Oh, interesting. Because like maybe Elyon nice has sad. been... Well, I just like the idea that like Elion has been here like this whole time, but because of like the nature of like this conflict and Azeroth himself can't like present himself, you know what right. I mean? But he has maybe, maybe Storm. Maybe it's Gar because Gar has been around this whole time. Gar has been around this whole Whoa, time. Oh, what if it's Gar? Because no, I don't know because Gar knows Storm. Maybe Gar has like a dad. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> I think he might be Storm. Maybe it's Shield. I feel Shield kind of is like not that great of a character. He like this horse the is horse? like yeah. so great, but not really around him all the time. Yeah. And like, it'd be cool I don't if know. a horse could talk because like the birds can talk. Why can't Dude, any of the other um, animals evolve? Like, okay, like, worst conversations <laughs> in this entire book will end here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the one, two, two, two more complaints. Sorry, guys. Yeah. I know this was a complaining one, but it's kind know. of a downer episode. Everybody, sorry. Like, yeah. we're about to do Dark Age too, and that's a total downer book. Oh, but, so. yeah, but I'm gonna revel in that. So. There was entire conversations in giant talk that I don't know that language of. And then like, yeah. it was like way too much giant talk. Sometimes I would just be like, wow, I'm like, it's still going on. And then we, it would never get explained to us. I'd be like, okay. And then I thought the crows, another character growth where like we go from like, this person is one thing in one book and the next book, they're like this totally different thing. The crows are like really, really smart parrots, magical parrots. In this book, they're having full conversations. Yeah, they're like bantering, a, yeah. and they're coming out of the woodwork. Everybody's got a crow. They're literally like teaching things. Like, well, I had to learn about this thing from the crow. It's just like that was too silly. I don't need a crow 
character to be like a main, you know? Yeah, we should have like other talking animals. Like, where where are the worms? By the way, like where are all these like big giant snakes and stuff? Like, there they should be like way up. more. I know that I know that there's it's a few dragons. More though, more. Oh more, yeah. More. Like I'm not saying that's not in here, but yeah, um, no, no, I want more dragons too. More, yeah, that's more, lots that's more. Always good. Like, like why introduce that stuff and then like use it sparingly? It's not an exclamation point. Like do it more like you are in a fucking fantasy book dude like let's <laughs> everybody's riding dragons like let's the whole, fight some like, dragons yeah and there's the only one let's have let's have everyone on one side yeah let's have like everyone on one side on a dragon and everyone on the other side on dragons and have them all yeah. fight each other like i don't yeah like i would like to see bear charging bear a dragon oh, yeah, rider. Like, like be yeah. awesome <laughs> no that give one thing to john gwynn we'll end on a positive note his of ability course. to set up battles and just slay people together in an awesome grizzly as i said in previous episodes battlegasm is <laughs> unprecedented yeah so we're just gonna kind of wrap this up a little bit here i'm not really sure really at all what to expect from the next book i mean <laughs> I've, I've, I've made some predictions that are very predictable but i, I mean I was surprised a couple times during this and might get surprised again uh, in the next book but yeah like i said uh no, I'm trying to be as honest as I can with my following and stuff, and uh, I don't want to like fake it on here for all of you. And uh, I think you all deserve to know when we're not like crazy into something. And this nah. is just one of those times where it's just like, eh, I don't know, not not really my thing, but we'll finish it and uh, we'll keep talking about it. And um, if this is one of your favorite series, I hope that this episode was entertaining at least for you. And uh, if you're in your car, kind of like raging at us right now because. You're like, did they even read the fucking things? Like, oh my god, yeah, yeah. Well, send me uh, an email this, as to why. I'd honestly like yeah. to know because I respect a lot of our listeners' opinions. A lot of you, I just no, I'm just kidding. But like, I, I mean, I respect every reader's book opinion, but I would truly like to know why some people think it's so good because there's just yeah. a lot. Like I said, it's got a lot of great elements, but they don't. The, the actual execution is just a little off in my mind, and it kind of. Yeah, it's missing a few elements, and I won't belabor the points again. If there's any parts of this conversation that you take issue with and you think that Chad and I are super wrong about, um, definitely hit us up in the Discord or send us an email and just so that we have that open line of communication. And also, I would like to be corrected about stuff if I'm wrong about it because it'll make reading the next book better. So. Totally. Um, but that's just kind of a byproduct of being like not being super interested in something is that I just kind of become less interested in it. I stop really paying attention to a lot of the minutiae and the minutiae I is really know. important. So, and um, typically what happens is I have you and you see things a little bit differently enough. We cross over enough in our Venn diagrams that we make good breeding buddies, but we always differ a little bit and you can like pull me out of the doldrums if I get stuck in them. But I think yeah. on this one, we're like perfectly aligned and like what yeah. we like and don't like, and we're just um, compounding each other, you know, which is fine. <laughs> It's so it's all good. We got one more of these, and then we're going to move good. on to uh, we're moving on to Skolomance by Naomi Novik, and then oh. after Red Rising, we're moving on to Covenant of Steel by Anthony Ryan. We're doing Binti by Nettie Okorafor, and then, folks, friends, comrades, we are doing we're doing Malazan Book of the Fallen, and we're also oh. doing Throne of Glass by Sarah. And we're doing a lot of books with Fallen in the name. So many Fallens, uh, but yeah, everybody, love you so much. Thank you for listening to Chad and I kind of rip this apart. <laughs> we appreciate your patience and uh, we, we appreciate your taste too we appreciate yeah. how much you love stuff so uh, i'm gonna go hopefully all of you have an excellent rest of your day and of course happy reading bye everybody